Hey everybody, this is Kate. And I'm Michelle. And you're listening to the Ball Blast Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the third ever episode of the Ball Blast Podcast. I feel like we're really taking off on Twitter, Michelle, do you? Yeah, I love it. I think we've gotten a lot of great feedback so far. We're so excited to have your support. People are so nice. People are so nice. You forget how nice human beings can be. Yeah, you have those few people on Twitter where you're like, God, you're the worst person in life. But then 99% of people are amazing. So you need to just focus on those 99% and not look at the 1%. I know. And those 1%, you know, they're just kind of grumpy people in general. So thank you for all the support. We really, really appreciate you guys shouting us out, all the retweets, all the really nice comments. Uh, and I re- I'm really just happy people like to listen to us talk. Um you can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. Michelle, welcome to the Fantasy Twitterverse. Thank you. It's been a fun first week. Um, yeah, how many, how many followers have you garnished in one week? Yeah, people have been nice giving me follows. I like it. Uh, my favorite thing is that we've been having some good conversation. I posted some tweets about rankings, and we've had some good debates, and everyone's very respectful, and I, I appreciate everyone's opinion. And If anybody hasn't checked it out, Michelle's actually doing a... Uh, this is going to be, I guess, like a month-long thing where we're going to do a, a full mock draft, an NFL mock draft, round one. You vote on the picks, and, you know, most votes, you're off the board. Move on to the next pick. I think we're on the fourth overall pick? Fifth yeah, we're on pick? the Oakland Raiders pick. So it's a, the actual NFL draft, mock draft. It's not fantasy-related, but I'm just putting some options out there for people to vote on, and I want to see if uh, how close we can get to the actual NFL draft when uh, comparing our results. So get in there. Give Michelle a follow. Again, that's FF uh, Ball Blast for me. Michelle, your Twitter handle, Ball Blastum. That's Ball Blast E-M. Yep. Ball Blastum. Last in balls. Um, anyway, let's get into some news and notes. So, star receiver for the Oakland Raiders, Jordy Nelson, has retired. Did you just call Jordy Nelson an Oakland Raider? I know, that was so disrespectful. Yeah, never <laughs> call him an Oakland Raider. He is a Green Bay Packer. This dude has made one mistake in his entire career, and that was choosing... The Oakland Raiders. 8,587 career yards, 72 touchdowns. What a career for Jordy Nelson. We're going to miss man. him watching in the, uh, playing in the NFL. I, I really wish he just didn't play in Oakland. I feel like that was just sort of like the, the tarnishment of his career right there. Yeah. I mean, he also just went there in a bad year. I'm not saying that Oakland's the place to go die as wide receivers. That's not what I'm saying. Don't get upset. Are you sure? Yeah. Don't get upset, Raiders fans. That's not what I'm saying. It was just a terrible year all around, and Jordy was getting old, and he probably should have called it quits last season, but I understand his desire to play one more year. Well, yeah. If you're if you're not ready to give up the game, that's fine, but – like, what do you think of the the high note that Rob Gronkowski got to go out on? He he ends his career with a Super Bowl. And you really just want to see Jordy Nelson get to go out on the same note that Rob Gronkowski had, but he didn't. He had yeah. Derek Carr. But I think both of them, both Jordy and Gronk, 
chose to retire at the right time. So they both understood that they're in decline. They didn't want to push it too far. <coughs> Eli Manning. <laughs> and they they just, I think it was the right time for both of them. And yes, it was great for Gronk to get to retire after winning the Super Bowl. Obviously, Jordy Nelson wasn't in that situation. But he understood he's in decline right now. And, you know, to hang him up at the right time. Maybe one year ago would have been the perfect time, but he wanted to see what he had left in him in 2018, and I think we all understand that. Speaking of news news and notes, Eli Manning. The Giants are not kidding about Eli Manning playing through 2020, apparently. Uh, I don't even know what to say to that. I'm praying that they just are trying to throw off teams for that the draft this year. Like I'm hoping they're scared they can't get Dwayne Haskins at number six. So they're trying to say whatever they can to get him pushed on to them. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping, but I just don't trust the Giants. I'm not even a Giants fan, but like for the NFL, please. For the franchise, for the sake of the franchise, for the sake of you Giants fans out there, we hope that this is GM speak, maybe, hopefully. Um but on that note, Josh Rosen does have some potential suitors, which include the Chargers, the Giants, and the Patriots. From a dynasty perspective, who would you be most excited uh, for a Josh Rosen trade? If you're the Josh Rosen dynasty, are there any Josh Rosen dynasty owners left? <laughs> There's plenty. Everyone has a Josh Rosen share somewhere in their league. But you would think you'd say Giants, okay, because that's the clearest path to be a starter. But then at the same time, you look at what he has in Arizona, a terrible offensive line, not great skill position players, but he does have David Johnson. So then you compare that to the New York Giants, it's terrible offensive like line. Yeah, it's basically like he yeah. hasn't traded. They, already did, they just traded Odell. So they have Saquon Barkley, which is great, but he already had a great running back. and So I don't know how that helps him anymore. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure where I'm excited to Obviously, see if you go. went to the Patriots – and he got to start, that's great for him for dynasty purposes. But, I mean, I think we all know Tom Brady's going to play until, what, 65, 70? Oh, what at are you least feeling? 75. Yeah, at least 70. So, unless, if Josh Frozen can pull it out till he's 50, then maybe he can get a good start. <laughs> yeah, plenty, plenty of time to acclimate to the backup role and learn behind the GOAT. Um, biggest fantasy news of the week. I really want to get your take on this. Jordan Howard was traded from the Chicago Bears to the Philadelphia Eagles for a 2026-round pick, could potentially be a fifth-round pick should the performance be adequate. Yeah, I, I like it for the Eagles. I don't like it for fantasy. It's not like I don't like it for fantasy. He wasn't successful under under uh, Matt Nagy, he he didn't fit his scheme. So I think him moving teams can only be a good thing, but him moving to the Eagles, not a great thing. Yeah, they have, they have not given a player two hundred or more carries in a single season since Lashawn McCoy in twenty fifteen. Yeah. And McCoy was very involved in the passing game, and Howard can't be. He just doesn't have the hands for it. He's already proven that he's not. He can't be involved in the passing game. So I'm not sure how they're going to use him. I'm hoping it's not a situation where it makes it very obvious to the defense that when he's in the game that it's going to be a running play because that can only be bad for him. So They have a good offensive line, though, so yeah. that's that's a good thing. But I think he could be one of those players like LeGarrette Blunt. I think he's better than LeGarrette Blunt. That's not what I'm saying. But where at the goal line, they always give him the ball. So he could have like 16 to 18 touchdowns in the season, which is awesome, and it could really – I mean – 
everyone would want him in fantasy at that point, but I'm just not sure how much they can use him between the 20s. I, I think that's fair, and I, I just don't trust Doug Peterson. He says, I don't know, the man will say literally anything. He's like the king of coach speak. He's the king of running back by committee, which is just death to fantasy value everywhere. So I'm not pumped about it. You're a little neutral, but I've seen some interesting Twitter debates. I know a lot of people are really high on him, so I'm excited to see how that plays out throughout the year. I think he, I don't see him ending up any higher than he was this year. Which he had a great year this year. Mm. A overall, decent year. Overall, he had a decent year. But if Your you expectations him, were higher. If you owned him, you couldn't play him week to week. If you did, you were getting killed. In other news, Matt Patricia says that they will limit Carrion Johnson's workload in 2019. <laughs> and that was the collective scream heard all around the world from Carrion Johnson fans everywhere. Michelle, as the Carrion Johnson truther, what does this mean for his 2019 fantasy value? It's all lies. Why? It's all lies. I know. So Matt Patricia <laughs> is just yanking our chains. No, Matt Patricia hates Carrion Johnson. Why? I get, I get that. I get it. But he is clearly the most talented running back on that roster. And he clearly was last year. And everything Patricia wanted to do was keep on Johnson off that field. He's like, we want to lose games. Please keep him off the field. <laughs> and maybe they didn't want to Towards lose the games. end of the year, though, they finally were like, okay, this dude is obviously the most talented running back. We have to give him some carries. And they did. That was actually towards the middle of the year. And then he got hurt, of course. But they were increasing his workload. He was seeing the carries, and then he got injured. We will see the carries next year. He has. We're going to talk more about Carryon Johnson. Yeah, we will later on. So yeah. I'm not going to get too in depth about it right now. But he averaged 11.8 carries per game last season. 11.8. But you're including all of his beginning, like in the beginning of the year when he was getting five carries. I am. And do you think he's going to regress back to that with this news? Absolutely not. No. Okay. No. Sure. I don't know. Time will tell. Um, you, you picked up a bit about Tevin Coleman, um, Kyle, coach Kyle Shanahan suggests that Tevin Coleman might be the 49ers short yardage back going into 2019. What do you think about that? Are you, where are you drafting Tevin Ooh. Coleman? Cause I don't know. Can I say nowhere? Really? Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman right now are very difficult to understand and redraft. I'm staying away from them. If you have them in Dynasty, stay with them because you're not going to be able to get anything in a trade. But I think them on your team can help. Like it will, I think it'll end up working out for both players at some point in their career. Well, he's a good enough uh, coach when it comes to running back systems that he yeah. knows how to use multiple backs in the same system and extract a lot of value. We saw, we saw San Fran running backs already not being able to stay healthy. So there's yeah. a good chance that one of them gets hurt and the other one gets all of the workload. Which would be great for fantasy purposes, yeah. not obviously wishing anybody injury. But And I think Shanahan saying that Tevin Coleman's a short yardage back is good for... So is he LeGarrette Blunt on the Patriots? Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, he doesn't have the build at all. So it's kind of surprising for him to say that. He is a tall guy, but he doesn't have the, you know... The chub. Yeah, the chub. <laughs> to get to make him that goal line back, I think he can be successful. But if he's saying McKinnon then is the first and second down guy, I like that. Okay. For McKinnon. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna stay away from all these guys in redraft. Um and I don't happen to own any of their shares in Dynasty, so 
Um, I'd be interested. If I could get him on the cheap, sure. I was trying to do everything I could to trade McKinnon earlier in this offseason. It just was not happening. And then, of course, Tevin Coleman signs. And now his value is destroyed. So yeah, he's well, going right. to stay on my team um, until he has a breakout game. And then hopefully I can trade him. There you go. Um, to summarize, so last week we, we had a war episode. We had our very first battle, our head-to-head. Very disappointed in yeah. all of Twitter. <laughs> all of our listeners, um, Michelle's very disappointed with, so you're going to have to buy back her love. I do feel like people were voting based off Dynasty, sure. and we were talking about 2019 only. Redraw. Totally. I, I just don't, I don't see it. All right, guys. So I'm very upset with the results. To summarize, we had Cam Newton versus Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield won 88% to 12%. That's what makes me feel like it had to been people thinking about that. Nobody thinks Cam Newton's going to play in 2019. That's well, the issue. Obviously, if Cam Newton's not going to play, he should have got 0%. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, 12% That's of That's not what think. it was about. It's about Cam Newton being healthy. If he's healthy, who would you rather have? I don't think he's healthy. Okay, but, but we won't know until August when we're okay. drafting. So we'll see. All right. Uh, Antonio Brown versus Odell. I, I think, Michelle, you drew the short end of the straw here. I'm okay anyway. with that. Yeah. Antonio I'm okay Brown. I'm okay with on. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he definitely got the lower end of the stick. They're both in similar situations, but OBJ... Um, one out, 80 to 20%. Um, Saquon Barkley versus Ezekiel Elliott. I was actually surprised by this one. I thought I was going to lose lose hard. I had Saquon Barkley. He won with 70% of the votes. Zeke, I don't know, Michelle. They, they're they not believing in your guy. Again, dynasty. I sure. get taking Barkley first. Maybe people thought that. But, no, people love Barkley. Oh, goodness. I knew I was going to lose that one hard. Like it's like not having it. Mahomes number one. It's the same with Barkley. People are very passionate about their Barkley and Mahomes. But after listening to your Zeke pitch, like I almost switched teams. <laughs> so I, I was actually I was surprised by the differential. And then our closest, our closest uh, position, the tight end, OJ Howard versus Evan Engram. Michelle, you won this one. Whoop whoop. Fifty-one percent to forty-nine percent. The only one that I love both players too, right? Ironic. Well, not the only one. I guess I love OBJ and Baker and Barkley. So. You love all my guys. Get off my team. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to head into today's segment, uh, Ride or Die Guys. So these are the guys that heading into 2019, we want to draft on all of our fantasy rosters. And if they suck, we're going to die in the process. We we don't mind. We'll go down with our ship. We captain or captain. Oh, absolutely. We will burn. We'll crash and burn. <laughs> With them on our rosters in as many leagues as possible. Let's ride or die. All right, Michelle, I'm going to let you kick this off with your number one ride or die. Tell us who it is. My number one is James Conner. And I don't want people to think it's just because I'm biased, even though oh, I am. what, because you're <laughs> the biggest Steelers fan ever? But we've seen him. Like, I think, I think we've seen him more than most people play. We watch every game in detail multiple times. You know, we re- yeah. we rewatch the game. So we've seen James Conner. We've seen how irritating it is to see the Steelers play call every week. They can be up. They can be tied. And they're like, you know what? No, we're going to just keep passing with Ben. We're just yeah, going to keep many, how many throwing to AB and keep throwing interceptions because it's important to make our star wide receiver happy. Got to feed the feed the goat yeah um yeah and josh dobbs was in a quarterback and they still refused to run the ball yeah and so weeks one through 13 
James Conner got injured in week 13. But weeks 1 through 13, he was the running back 5 in the season. Averaged 20.1 points per game in half PPR formats. That is better than Zeke, Hunt, Mixon, DJ, all guys we love. And only behind the greats of Gurley, Barkley, Kamara, CMC, and Gordon. And average points per game. So I think there's so much potential there for him, and he's going to be drafted. He'll still be drafted early, you know, in the early second round, but he won't be drafted as running back five. He'll be more around that eight to ten mark. So you're still getting a great value on him. And he could be a potential top three running back. And I've seen him fall sometimes into the late end of the second round, which is just outstanding considering his production. He's by far the most disrespected running back in Dynasty. I've, oh, absolutely. I've, I keep seeing all these trades where people want to get rid of him, and I'm like, why do you want to get rid of him so bad? And they're, they're selling him for nothing close to his value. I think uh, the Steelers have made a point to show their love for James Conner. They appreciate him as a player. They appreciate the discount on his – they appreciate his value from a fantasy – or not from a fantasy. His teammates a, love him, and the owners love him. Yeah. I'm not sure if the offensive coordinator understands how much he should love him. So Pittsburgh passed the ball 689 times last season. That led the league by far in 2018. The year before that, they only passed the ball 561 times. So they passed the ball 130 more times in one year, 20, 2017 to 2018. Yeah, you, get, you get Todd Haley out of town, Yeah, and all of a sudden it's, it's only Big Ben's They've show. never come close to that number before it's going to go back down there's going to be more op- opportunities for Connor especially with a B gone they can't throw the ball as much they were throwing the ball even when it didn't make sense they have to realize that's a that's the reason why they lost a lot of games and hopefully the OC will look at his strategy and change that up their rushing attempts ranked 31st in the league at only 437 rushing attempts in 2017 it's terrible terrible and Connor still killed it even though the Steelers were 31st in rushing attempts. So I just I, – that number has to go up. He's going to see more opportunities. He only had – five. okay, so there's five games last season that Pittsburgh gave Connor more than 15 carries in a game. In those five games, his fantasy points, each of those weeks were 28, 30, 24, 32, 21. Jeez. If they give him the ball, he will succeed, and he will kill it for your fantasy team. So go steal that man in the middle of the second round. If you build it, he will come. Absolutely. All right. Next up, I got Derrick Henry for my ride-or-die guy. I was actually super low on Derrick Henry last year. Um, Wasn't taking him anywhere. I'm glad I didn't because we saw some of the most frustrating usage. I think the only guy we could say was used in a more frustrating manner might be Carrion Johnson. Um, But there might be no player that had 1,100 scrimmage yards last year that you were more disappointed with. He's a big man. I don't know if you've ever seen the picture of him standing next to Dion Lewis. It's literally like you see Jelly Green Giant versus an Oompa Loompa. He's a large man. He's a very strong. Uh, he's 6'3", 247 pounds. He's an aggressive runner. Um, he can he can make those big, long plays, but he received 12 or less carries in 10 out of 16 games. 10! Yeah, they clearly were trying to get away from Henry last season, at least in the first three-fourths of the season, and then they realized, oh, damn, Henry is really good. Well, and games so we games 1 through 11, right, he saw 10.7 attempts per game. Deion Lewis saw 11.7 rushing attempts per game in that same stretch, 
And you look at the build of those guys. Like I said, when you see them next to each other, it's a, a very stark contrast. So it's yet another player coming from the Patriots that was amazing for the Patriots. And then you put him on another team and they're like, what happened to him? What happened? <laughs> but you why, look- <laughs> why did teams keep falling for it? It's ridiculous. It's like the average fan knows don't trade for a Patriot player. Because the coaching is amazing, and they put them in the perfect spot for each player. And when the Patriots know that it's time to move on, generally it's because it's time to move on. They know they're not worth it, and they're like, okay, go get paid, dude. Like, go do your thing. He's a, he's a fine, proficient pass catcher, but he is not the guy that you want to give your first and second down work to. He's not the run-up-the-middle guy. He's a pass-catching back. He's your third-down guy. And he saw the bulk of the carries – all of a sudden, you see him explode in the second half of the season. And Mike Vrabel just came out and said that he wants to make him the centerpiece of his offense in 2019. I can only imagine that they're going to give him the ball as many times as he can handle it. He's young. He's ready to ready to roll. He, he took that role on quite well in the second half of the season. Do you have any hesitancy about making Derrick Henry your guy? He's... Going in the third, fourth round. Yeah, I wouldn't want him to be my running back one. I do actually really like Derrick Henry, and I think his outlook for 2019 is great, but there is always that risk that Tennessee doesn't know how to use him again. But I think should he get the usage, he is a top 10 back. For sure. I agree with you. It's just about taking that risk that he will get the usage. So I'm I okay. like where he's going. Draft stocks, I think he's a perfectly acceptable I'm actually risk. shocked he's not going earlier just based off how he ended. Like, he had some crazy games. You would have thought it would have shot up his ADP. But I think it's a very fair ADP right now. And if he ends up destroying your team, and it's not the biggest deal if you take him in the third round. It's not great. But at least you're not taking him as a first or second round pick. I love it. All right, next up, Michelle. Ian Thomas, Woo-hoo. my boy. People probably don't understand my love for Ian Thomas. There's really no reason for it. I didn't watch him in college. I'm not a Panthers fan, but I have this absurd love for Ian (laughs) Thomas. I think he's the next great tight end in the NFL. I don't get the disrespect for him. People aren't even paying attention to him. People were pretty mad after he came out um, game one last year, 2018. Greg Olson exited week one with a foot injury, and people were very upset when all of a sudden he did not fill that role after his first career game. And every rookie tight end struggles, unless your name is Evan Ingram. He's the only tight end that's had a very solid rookie year. Besides that, it takes time for tight ends to get involved. It takes time for the teams to trust them to block and to see that volume of snaps. So once he got in the game, when Greg Olson got hurt, he actually – I mean, he was a great producer, especially at the se- the end of the year. To clarify, the second time he the got The second hurt. time. Which brings us back to the point that Greg Olson gets injured a lot. He's a high injury risk. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he does come back to play in 2019. I wouldn't be surprised if he had another foot injury. No, he can't and he's healthy. going to be 34 years old. Last year, every time he played, he got 90-plus percent of the snaps, which is terrible for Ian Thomas because he doesn't get to see the field. Then unless they're going to do two tight, ends, two tight end sets, and they don't seem to be a team that wants to do that. But if you – the last two years, Greg Olson can't stay healthy. If you're going to keep playing him 90% of snaps, he's not going to stay healthy. So your choices are give Olson less snaps and get Ian Thomas in the game or 
play Olsen those 90% of snaps and he gets injured. Either way, I see it great for Ian Thomas. I love Ian Thomas. I think he's a solid pick. And guess who? Just, okay, this is why I love Ian Thomas so much, is that Cam Newton loves to rely on his tight ends. Guess who was very un-elite? Is that a word? Un-elite? No, I like that's it. not a word, but I, I love it. I un-elite until he became teammates with Cam Newton. Greg Olson. Greg Olson. Very mediocre tight end, just middle of the pack. He joins with Newton, and all of a sudden he's elite tight end. It's everything to do with tight ends is about their usage and the quarterback they're playing with. Do they like to target tight ends? Do they not? Does their system favor tight ends? Do they not? That is a huge part of the tight end game, and Ian Thomas is in the perfect system for that. Yeah, and when you have a guy like Greg Olson who's filled that role for such a long time, it's sort of just already built into your offensive scheme that you're going to use that tight end. So I, I love Ian Thomas. I think should – should the um, opportunity be there, he's going to be a rock star. His second second round last year, he was off the charts. He was awesome. Um, my third candidate for my ride or die guy. I've been riding with this guy. Oh, you've loved him from the, from the very beginning. He was the first fan. I, people probably don't know. I didn't fall in love with fantasy football until maybe the last four years. So I, I haven't been doing this quite as long as the rest of you. Um, but Mike Evans was the guy that I fell in love with from the very beginning of watching and appreciating football for what it was. Um, I still have my Mike Evans. I have like this little Jersey shirt that I love and I still wear it sometimes when, you know, usually Steelers bye weeks, but Mike Evans had the quietest 1500 yard season ever of all time. Literally, I have, has there ever been anybody with a, a more quiet 1,500-yard season. No, and you don't think someone could ever be disrespected at 1,500 yards? Another player, though, that's just never... He's forgotten. Everywhere. No one talks about him in the top three wide receivers in the league. No. For fantasy purposes. I would agree that he's not for actual NFL purposes. No. But fantasy, he should be thought of in that way. He should be thought of that way. He had some of the most inconsistent quarterback play in the 2018 season. Um, he played quarterback roulette. Well, he didn't play quarterback roulette. Um, but the Tampa Bay Bucks played quarterback roulette uh, and flip-flopped between Ryan Fitzmagic and uh, Jameis Winston all season long. Um, now we, we know he's going to have Jameis Winston this year. He's got Bruce Arians as a coach who's hopefully going to be able to, like, tighten up the dumb mistakes that Jameis Winston makes. I really like him. I, I, I like him as a player. I think he's he's a valuable asset with a quarterback whisperer who can hopefully, you know, just sort of rein in his quarterback. I, I really like his his chance to at least sustain. I think he's going to be the wide receiver one this year. We both agree with that. Yeah. So we both love Mike Evans. We both have him as our the wide receiver one. The. For fantasy purposes in 2019. And everyone's talking about the, you know, Deshaun Jackson leaving, Humphreys leaving, how great that is for Chris Godwin. What about how great that is for Mike Evans? Oh, absolutely. Mike Evans, last year, number three in receiving yards, number four in yards per reception, number five in contested catch rate, number 11 in receptions, number 64 in catchable target rate. That means that he wasn't getting very good balls thrown to him, and he still wound up with 
1,500 yards. I'm all in on Mike Evans in 2019. He only saw 138 targets. There is so much room for growth there. Like, just think about, okay, so there's Juju and A.B. Like, I know those off the top of my head. They both had 160-plus targets. Both of them. That is 320 targets. Just for those two. Just for those two. And Mike Evans gets 138. There's so much room for growth there. If they can just be a consistent offense that can move the ball down the field, and I think Bruce Arians can bring that, and I think that this like the disappearance, you know, with Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson gone helps Mike Evans just as much as everyone wants to say it helps Chris God or Chris Godwin. Yeah, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, Michelle, you're up next. We we foreshadowed this guy uh, back in the news and notes. Who's your man? Carry on, carry on. Okay, so I love Kerryon Johnson. I loved him last year. I picked him in a lot of drafts last year, and he ended up being a disappointment, not because of his talent, but because of his usage and then his injury. As soon as he started getting used and looking productive, he got injured. So he was a disappointment last year, but I'm not going to let that hold me back in drafting him this year. Uh, I know Matt Patricia is saying that he's not going to feed Kerryon the ball as a, like a workhorse back, but I say lies. Lies, lies, lies. Is it lies because you want it to be lies? Maybe Maybe a little bit. But, okay, maybe they draft someone, right? But I don't think they do that in the first three rounds, even four rounds. Maybe they bring in another player, but who are they going to sign? They try to bring in Malcolm Brown, but that failed. They drafted Kerryon Johnson in pretty early second-round draft last year. That's a player that you need to give a chance, that you need to be playing to justify your pick. So even if Matt Patricia hates him for whatever reason, he's clearly the most talented back on the team with who's behind him, really. Zach Zenner and Theo Riddick. The GOATs. Theo Riddick is good in the passing game, but Carrion Johnson has shown to be just as great in the passing game. So keep him out there. Make it so defenses don't know what play call you're calling. If Theo Riddick's in the game, you're not running the ball. So why put Theo Riddick out there when you can have Carrion Johnson that can run and catch. So defenses have no idea what you're doing. What's your concern uh, with the injury risk? Do you think that the fact that as soon as he got usage last year, we see him with the knee injury, do you think that affects his outlook? Do you think maybe that's why Patricia is limiting his carries, supposedly? In the first year you get injured, it's not a major injury. I'm not too concerned about it. Obviously, if he keeps getting injured, that's something you're going to have to be concerned in in the future. But – one injury, we'll see how he uh, he adjusts next season. All right, my next guy, Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. One of the more underrated fantasy quarterbacks, or quarterbacks just in general in the NFL. Um, before he saw Amari Cooper, he, he was really missing a number one target. Really didn't, didn't flourish without sort of a, a big play guy. He didn't have Des Bryant. Uh, Zeke can move the ball only so much, but like if you're if you're relying on Cole Beasley, and who else? <laughs> just just Cole Beasley, uh, Michael Gallup, rookie. Yeah. He's uh, who had, again showed flashes towards the second half of the season, but he really needed a true number one target, and he's never finished a fantasy season outside of the top twelve. He's never not been a QB one, which I don't think anybody knows. How is that possible? Oh, I put my rankings out last week for redraft purposes. Top 12 quarterbacks had Dak in there 
at the at the low end for my top 12 and people gave me a lot of hate for having Dak in my top 12 and everyone wanted Jameis Winston in. Well, Jameis Winston has never finished in the top 12 in his entire career. And guess what? Yeah. Like you said, Dak has finished in the top 12 all three seasons. I don't know which of those, those stats is more startling. Cause I feel like everybody thinks that Jameis Winston it's March. falls in the top 12. Cause it's March. People love Jameis Winston. Every March, March, April, May, June, July, August. Guess who doesn't love Jameis Winston anymore after that time of the year? Who? Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> September comes around, and they're like, ah, shoot, I forgot. I forgot, I forgot who Jameis Winston is. I think he has a better season. I think he has a better chance this year no, finishing like in the top too. 12. Um, but I'm just like everyone else said, because I'm buying in the hype right now, but I'm not willing to put him in my top 12. Dak Prescott, I'm willing to put in the top 12. Absolutely. And he's he's also one of those dynasty buys that you can get super cheap. He might, you know, if you if you have some bigger assets that you're looking to move, if you can trade with the Dak Prescott owner and sort of get him as like an ancillary piece, steal. Um, yeah, everyone's low on him. I think he's a great buy low candidate. And towards the second half of the season, as soon as Amari Cooper arrived, we did see a huge uptick in efficiency for Dak Prescott. We saw a higher completion percentage. We saw uh, more touchdowns, fewer interceptions, more rushing touchdowns. All, all of his metrics showed significant improvement once he had a number one wide receiver. Even Zeke benefited from the arrival of Amari Cooper. I just think this offense is bound uh, for greatness. And when you have a guy who can rush the ball, all for it. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure, let me check here, Dak Prescott, weeks 9 through 17, he was the quarterback six. That's startling. Yeah. Startling. Yeah, nine weeks 9 through 17, quarterback six. And it only gets better each week you go on there. So each week he had Amari Cooper, he only got better. And I, I just think that we'll roll over to the next season. I just convinced myself to go make an offer for Dak Prescott. I know. I was thinking about doing that too. But I think he's a great target for redrafts. He's going to go super late. People have no respect for this dude. He's how, going, late do you, how late I think do you, you can think get him round 10, 11 easily. And he's a great target to, to grab there. I love it. Cool. All right. Who's your, who's your guy? Your, your rushing quarterback <laughs> candidate. My guy for my quarterback is Josh Allen. And I understand everyone. He is inaccurate. I don't – we all understand that. But, but we all understand the, the benefit of having a Russian quarterback. Yeah, and I love when people are like, all he can do is rush. Well, that's That's, that's more great. valuable of the skills. And especially in, in fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. Even if we don't agree that those points should be counted for so much in fantasy leagues, they are. So it doesn't really matter what type of quarterback he is in the NFL. If he's producing points and being able to rush the ball consistently, it's going to be great for your team. So he got hurt. We all know that in the middle of the year. In the beginning of the year, he was atrocious, terrible. You didn't want to have him in fantasy at all. But all of a sudden, he comes back from injury, and it's like the Bills discovered who he was, how to use him. So in the last five games, his his yards, actually his passing yards went way up, and he was much more consistent. So over he had over 200 passing yards each of those last five games, and he had seven of his ten passing touchdowns in those five games. And I, you give him a big target like John Brown, who can stretch the field. If he can accurately pass him the ball, that's a great opportunity for him to um, 
you know, make some strides in the passing game with his big playability. Yeah, and I can live with 200 plus passing yards and a few, uh, like even a touchdown, a passing touchdown a game. I can live with that with Josh Allen because of his rushing ability. So before. Gives him a safe floor. Yeah, before his injury, he was never rushing the ball, like barely. He had like 30 rushing yards max per game in the games he was playing before his injury. When he came back, he averaged almost 80 rushing yards per game. That's with, a running back one. Yeah, with five <laughs> rushing touchdowns, too, on top of that. Yeah, I like it. And so when he returned, he returned in week 12. Weeks 12 through 17, he was the the quarterback one. The. In, in total points and average points per game. That is more points per game, obviously, than everyone, but than everyone's beloved Mahomes. <gasps> It's 0.7 more points per game, actually. So either you can take Mahomes in the second round or third round if you're lucky, or you can take Josh Allen in the 12th round. I will be taking Josh Allen in the 12th round. It's all about the value there for me. It's it's certainly not to say that Josh Allen is, I am not is saying, the next yeah, Patrick no, Mahomes. I'm not saying Josh Allen will outproduce or outscore Mahomes. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not that crazy. But Are you sure? When it comes to volume, how much will Mahomes outscore Josh Allen is the real question. Is it worth taking him 10 rounds earlier? And yeah, I say it, absolutely not. When you can still get a stud wide receiver start running back, you it, it's hard to justify that high pick when the point differential just isn't high enough. All right, you've heard our ride-or-die candidates for the 2019 fantasy football season. Michelle, who are you just letting die in, <laughs> in 2019? Like, for fantasy purposes, not just for life? Yeah, I'm sure Damian Williams is a great guy. But in fantasy, I'm just going to let him die. I don't get the hype for Damian Williams. I get he's in Kansas City. Okay, so I understand that he's in the Kansas That's City the offense. Hype. That's the hype point right there. Okay, so he's the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, and their system's great for running backs. Fabulous. Yeah, do you really think he's going to be the guy for 16 games next season? Because I can't see it. No, I'm more excited about Carlos Hyde and his potential on that offense, I think, than, than Damian Williams. I know they gave him a decent contract, but they also still brought in There was Carlos very Hyde. few guarantees, though. They didn't get out of that contract only spending a couple million dollars. They needed to sign a running back. They had nothing there on their depth chart. You have to have more than one running back. So the, the contract they gave Damian Williams doesn't show me anything. It's not a big contract at all. Miami, he, was, he started in Miami. He was never the top guy there. He never saw more than 46 touches. That was his highest rushing attempts in all of his seasons in Miami. He comes to Kansas City, and they clearly didn't see him as a top talent either. I know he had Hunt in front of him, but he had, saw three total carries in 2018 before Hunt was was cut. And then Hunt's cut. They don't go to Damian Williams. They go to Spencer Ware. And then Spencer Ware gets hurt, and they finally go to Damian, uh, Damian Williams. So I don't know. I just don't see him being an option for a full 16 games in this offense for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Are they really just going to roll with Damian Williams all year? I don't see that happening. He only had 13 carries. That was his top in any of the games after Hunt left. So, he, was, he was super efficient last season. He was I think that's super why people efficient are and so he was, high. Yeah, and he was involved in the passing game. As long as he's the starter for Kansas City, he'll be a great fantasy option. I just don't think he starts more than five games next year. Interesting. And you know who I do love? 
Who? It's, it's a guy behind him. Who that? Daryl Williams. He was an undrafted free agent last year in 2018. And he played for LSU. LSU. He was stuck behind Fournette and Geis all of his career, all of his college career. And it's I think a tough crowd to, to win out. Yes, for. and I think he's a very talented back. When he, when he actually had the opportunities in college, he showed that he was a great back. He just never saw that full workload opportunity. And I think, I think he can steal that role from Kansas City if – just given a little, little hole, just a little, little tiny hole. hole. A little bit. If he could just find a little hole, he can sneak in there. And I, honestly, in Dynasty, I'm more excited about owning him than Damian Williams right now. I would agree with that. And I think because of the fact that they are both undrafted free agents, you don't have a ton of stock, you know, in, in when it comes to the Kansas State Chiefs in Damian Williams. They can try out the waters with Daryl Williams. Yeah. They don't have to, you know, be nervous that they're putting some second, third round pick on the line. It, it's they don't have any loyalties to him. So, and honestly, there's a 99 percent chance neither of these two guys are talking about is the Kansas City top running back in 2019. But guess what? Damian Williams is going to cost you a lot in Dynasty, more than what you should pay for him, no matter what it is. I mean, Daryl Williams is probably sitting on your waivers right now. If he's not, you can get him for nothing. Yeah, I like that. Um, my die candidate, and I feel so harsh using that language, um, especially as a nurse, that it it hurts me. But I I think this guy's pretty much done for fantasy purposes. Emmanuel Sanders, thirty two years old, hasn't played a full season, uh, but twice in his career, played twelve games in 2017, 2018. tore his Achilles in practice after week twelve. So late in the season, tear your Achilles, you're out, you're done. At that age of 32, I, I don't know how you can come back and continue to be productive. Do you feel like no one's talking about this injury? I feel like everyone's acting like when they talk about Joe Flacco, they're like, oh, he'll have Emmanuel Sanders. Will I he? I don't think he will. And I don't. Week it, it 12. Was, week, week 12. It, that was December. Yeah. That's late. A torn Achilles is no joke. Is he going to be able to cut? Is he going to be able to run? I can't see him playing before, I have no idea, the middle of the season. And then, like you said, he's 32 years old, and then he has to learn the connection with Joe Flacco, a brand-new quarterback. Yeah, I think even if he he shows that he can be healthy after that sort of injury, I, I just think Achilles is a big deal. I think, you know, especially when you're, you're looking at a guy who needs to cut, who needs to um, – you know, make plays, has to make a new connection with a new quarterback, I don't think I'm going to touch him. And I feel like you're right. Nobody's talking about this injury as if it's going to be something that is going to impact his fantasy season. Yeah. And if you, if I have him in Dynasty, I will even see if I can get a third-round pick for him. If I can get a third, early third-round pick for him, bye. Like, I'm doing that <laughs> trade. Like, go see if you can sell him for that to any of your league mates that believes in Sanders getting healthy again and playing. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea, and I think you might still be able to sell it because of the fact that he did have a really productive 2018 before the injury. I agree with you. I think his name still means something in fantasy, and I think you can still get a little something for him, and I, you, this is your last chance to be able to sell him. Yeah, you're right, and get that, you know, try and spin him for that third-round pick where you might be able to get a guy who, um, 
you know, could could be valuable down the line, maybe doesn't have immediate impact on your fantasy roster. But. And if you don't hit on it, you don't hit. It's not that big of a loss. Emmanuel Sanders wasn't going to do much else for your dynasty team in the future. All right. Well, that closes out our third episode of the Ball Blast podcast. Please hit that subscribe button. Um, follow us on Twitter at FFBallBlast and at BallBlastEm. That's BallBlastEM. Um, please retweet, share with your friends, share with everybody who will listen. We hope to uh, see you guys again next week.